All right, everyone, welcome to the uh, Tea Drinking Podcast. We are Chamomile and your Earl Grey coming at you. Uh, just kidding, everybody. Welcome to episode 129 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I'm with the co-host with the most, Drew at DR underscore PRA. Drew, how are you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Fighting a little something here. I think the kids got it as well, so we're pushing through, but couldn't miss having a, a night with Bobby here, so excited to have the show tonight. And Drew doing the damn thing. He he has already given a, a, a hint if you are not watching this on the YouTube, which you should be. We got the man, the myth, the legend. We got Bobby Koch at Wrecked Fantasy. Bobby, how are you, mm. brother? I'm doing well. And if you're not watching, you're missing out on Drew and I taking turns taking sips of our tea. Um, I don't know if I'm also fighting something or if I just like to drink tea at night. That's still to be determined. Also, I said this on the trade or Cool Kids Club, which we're all a part of because you're part of the network and I'm just a fan. But I am just a guy. I was asked if I'm famous earlier or like a legend or anything. Just a guy. I don't know why you keep inviting me on your podcast, but I'm glad to be here. Uh, I can tell you why I invited you onto this podcast, because the DAP draft show was just amazing. And that's because Bobby did, I think, about 42 hours and two days of just being on the uh, the DAP network, just running the draft show pretty much. And I think he, I think you now own the entire dap network after that so uh legendary we got to get the boss on you know to to just keep up you know our standing as the uh the dap network c show so um that's fair if you listen to last night's trade addicts i let russ think that he still owns the pod and the network but (laughs) it's really mine now i mean that's what true leadership is all about is is making the people under you feel good about themselves feel good in their position so I respect it. I respect it. So, Bobby, before we get started, let uh let all the people know uh where they can find you and what uh what you're up to, if anything. Sure. Um, I am literally just on Twitter, so at Rec Fantasy on Twitter. I occasionally tweet dynasty football things. I also occasionally tweet anything that's top of mind, as I think everyone pretty much does on social media. So you'll find TV stuff, movie stuff, video games, comic books, or any random thought that crosses my mind. Um, For those who aren't familiar with me, which is probably the majority of you, I used to be a staffer at Dynasty League Football and hosted a few of my own podcasts. I I hate this term, but I've seen it used on fantasy Twitter a bunch. I quote unquote retired, and I always put it in air quotes uh, two years ago to focus on my real job. And now I guess I've gotten... I've had enough time pass that I've gotten bitten a bit by the bug of wanting to do it again. And I also am comfortable enough in my job that I feel I can dedicate at least a little time to having a hobby, which I think is probably a good idea for everyone involved. Love it. Love it. Love it. So um, we'll get, we'll get to the tiny bits of news real quick. I think we can spend about 30 seconds on that and then move on. But, uh, Mike Davis, uh, last year, uh, some people uh, liked him. Uh, he's signing with Baltimore. Um, 
yeah, he'll be what the the third or fourth running back there. Good luck if you uh, if you want to take a flyer on him because you figure the other guys ahead of him will get hurt. But you know, I kind of pumped them up last year because I said who else is there, and they found Quarter Patterson and decided to make him a running back. And I'll put that in quotes because he did most of his fantasy damage in the air. Um, and then Sony Michelle signs with Miami, and and I think this is a little bit more interesting because I heard a lot of people pumping up Chase Edmonds. You go, oh, they didn't they didn't draft anyone in Miami, so now it's it's his show. Even though they have like seventy eight running backs in Miami, I mean they signed uh, who did they signed from San Francisco. Um, they have Salman Ahmed there. Well, they I think they're thinking of Mostart. Or yes, known yeah. as must start. Yes, must start. Mr. Must start. Um, so they have him, they still have Salvan Ahmed, they still have um Miles uh Gaskin. Gaskin. Okay, Mario dodging a bullet all season long last year, <laughs> only to fail my teams epically. Uh, so I mean they ha- they have guys, and I'm not saying that they have great running backs there, but they have th- they they are definitely taking after the San Francisco C, uh, system. Let's just sign a hundred guys and uh, and let's see how it shakes out. Uh, John McGlynn in the chat saying that's Chase Edmonds backfield. I don't know, John. Sony had a really good year for the Rams when nobody expected him to. I mean, I'm not saying like he was amazing by any means, but he had a much better year than I think people give him credit for. Yeah, and he he came over late. I mean, I think that was a uh, a preseason trade, wasn't it? Where they where the Patriots uh, traded him to L.A. So he didn't have the full off season to learn the. Uh, learn the playbook and everything. Now he's going to be there. He's going to have some time to learn that playbook, some time to get incorporated. I'm I'll be interested. I'm not I'm not crowning Sony Michelle, but it's interesting. I don't know it offhand, but he was uh, I looked it up. He was traded August 25th of last year, so definitely pretty late into the offseason. Okay, yeah. So even later than I honestly thought cuz that's what a week, week and a half before the season started. So yeah, it was pretty much. Uh, hey, good luck. We're gonna throw you out here, and and he he came up big in like the playoffs. Like there were probably a couple yeah. of people who were like, Sony Michelle was my flex, or Sony emergency, or Sony was an emergency RB two because all my other guys got hurt. And you know, he probably helped some people to a chance. And when I say helped, I mean he was like part of the team. He was getting you points. He wasn't killing you. Not that he had like 30 points in any one week. I know people come at me. Uh, he only had, he only averaged 14 points a week. And it's like, yeah, that's all you need from Sony Michelle. That's great. You know, um, that meme of like, it's essentially like this new beginner brain and then like the galaxy brain. And then it's showing them going back to the new beginner brain. So yeah. I've come all the way around on essentially taking these cheap running backs i used to be like why would i ever roster cheap running backs because i should take all the wide receivers they have upside or whatever and then like maybe two years ago to your point about um mike davis and miles gaskin i took them with like 
third round picks or something or traded third round picks for them. And they both had seasons where they essentially got into my lineup as flex because I was just so desperate, but they were also just working out that way. That I'm now all the way, I, I advocated strongly against handcuffs and also just like cheaper running backs. Now I'm the other way around. I'm like, trade those wide receiver flyers for backup running backs because if someone gets injured, you'll get more for them. And that's how yeah. I feel about Sony right now, by the way. Like, if you could get, I don't know, a late third round pick for Sony Michelle, why not? Interesting. Yeah. Do we know what he's, getting, uh, what he's getting paid there yet? Um, you guys chit chat. I'll see if Spotrack has anything. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, uh, I, I move that way too, Bobby. I think we're, uh, in startups, at least I've gone after maybe one top five or six running back and then I'll wait eight, 10 rounds to take my RB two and see who's there, who's hanging out. And then I'll spend a lot of the late round picks on, uh, either my own handcuff and other people's, you know, second or third on the depth chart. So I, I definitely uh, move that direction as well, where I used to be much more. I want like super flex. I want two good quarterbacks. I want two good running backs. And then I'll, I'll rotate receivers. But Yeah, we'll that's, um, that's my style too. I don't like trading for running backs and I don't, I try to distract them in the rookie draft, to be honest. I was just having this discussion with Rocky, who, as everyone knows, is on Trade Addicts. Um, because he was trying to trade me in Trade Addict 7, Saquon Barkley. And I was like, look, the most I will give you is the 110. And he was like, I'm not taking that. I went, he's been injured. We have no guarantee. He's still good. He got outplayed by some like backup running backs on the Giants last year. Like Devontae Booker basically mm -hmm. outplayed him. And I just, I told him flat out, I'm like, it is against my dynasty philosophy basically to pay up for running backs, even though I will say every once in a while I do it. I'm not one of those people who like makes a rule for myself and is inflexible. Sure. But my general mode of operating is I will probably not trade you very much for a running back. I, I will say, and this is a, I'm, I'm with you. I don't trade for running backs, but I actually usually will go RB heavy in a startup just because everyone else is doing the opposite. So I can usually find some good deals because everyone else is trying to load up at wide receiver and then get those, you know, mid-round running backs they go zero rb or hero rb and i i get the value but in a league that drew and i are in a 14 teamer someone offered me zeke for the 205 and i was like well i mean if you're just if you're just giving away a guy yeah. who's top 10 every year like I'll, I'll i'll but yeah i'm with you i'm not normally um i'm usually trying to trade away those guys once they hit about 25 and going Hey, I got a Nick Chubb. Do you want him? Sure you do, because he's still good. And one time I went running back heavy in a startup. It was a league that Russ created during the pandemic called Dash that. Uh, Josh, you're in that league, aren't you? I'm no. Totally no. Blanking. But okay, so that's how tired I am. You're not in that league. I know Bill is in that league. Um, so I went running back heavy in the startup, and I took Leonard Fournette as one of them, which actually ended up working out, but did not work yeah. out where I took him. And then the other one, I can't remember, but the summation was both of them after I drafted them, lost their starting jobs almost immediately. And I was just like, this is why I never do this. I'm never doing this again. Why would I ever do this to myself? Oh, I love it. I love it. And I love that I said, well, we'll uh... oh, here, by the way, I, I did look up the Sony Michelle contract. A one-year, one point seven five million dollar contract, okay. 
a $350,000 signing bonus. So there's no commitment there, but I mean, his, his battles against Chase Edmonds, who we've seen is really a guy who needs a guy. Like he needs a running mate in the backfield to unlock his true potential. So I, I do think that even though the contract says there's no commitment, I, I'm pretty sure Sony Michelle, if he plays like he did last year, will be uh will be sticking around in Miami for a year. So you're telling me uh, for backup running back, that's not Christian Kirk money. I'm shocked. <laughs> well, I mean, if he if he would have signed with the Jags, it would have been a five year, hundred and fifteen million dollar contract with seventy five guaranteed. So I mean, and he'd be backing up James Robinson, who's injured. Right. Because the right. Jacks just have money to throw around. Yeah, he would. Um, I'm not sure if uh, Ryquel Armstead is still around, but he'd probably be like fifth on mm-hmm. the depth chart behind him. So pulling pulling out the uh, the deep cuts on that one. So, <laughs> all right. Now that now that we spoke about Sony Michelle probably for like 10 minutes, uh, let's uh, let's hit the timeline. And I always like to do this when we have a guest on uh, like to start the episode by something that our, our guest uh, tweeted out into the universe. Yeah. But this is from our own Bobby Koch at Wrecked Fantasy. I probably just enjoy drafting, but in my second rookie draft, I'm not nearly as grossed out by this class as I thought. Probably just rose-colored glasses, though. Um, Notice how much hedging I did there. I was like, <laughs> I kind of like this class, but also like, don't judge me, and I'm going to say that I'm, I have rose-colored glasses. Bobby, the the glasses are on. They're fully tinted. Um this class gets gross real <laughs> real quick. It so, it kind of sneaks up on you though because you get like eight in and you go, okay, like I thought by eight I would be like crying a little bit. And then by like eleven, you're like, whoa, what just happened? I was feeling good about myself and now I'm at one eleven and I'm looking around and like I'm confused. I, I feel like maybe somebody, you know, maybe I got a little too drunk and ended up somewhere I wasn't supposed to, but this one eleven is not a good neighborhood to be in. I so cross those tracks. I respectfully disagree because I think the second round is actually think full of a lot of good value. I think the end of the first is somewhat of a landmine to be honest, but I think there are a lot of picks in the second round that have the potential to be heavy producers. And also maybe it's just, again, I drafted these guys, so of course I have to now be high on them because I took them to my team. But a good example is I took one Dale, not one Dale, one Dale Rocky. I know you asked that question. I'm preempting it. But one Dale Robinson at the 212. And why I think that's great value, and I'm hyping up my own pick here, but I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit, is he's the only wide receiver that the new regime of the Giants actually actively said, we want you on our team. The others, they all inherited. And that's just a recipe for, hey, this guy's probably going to be schemed for touches. That said, he's also like my wide receiver nine, because even though what I just went on this rant about how I'm not taking wide receivers with upside anymore, I went very wide receiver heavy in my trade addicts build. Um, you know, another another guy that I got in the second was Jahan Dotson. And apparently I am now... I'm now labeling myself as like the captain of the Jahan Dotson truther club because I've been in many arguments about Jahan Dotson and his value. And the thing that I think, and I said this on the trade addicts pod last night too. And by the way, I got him at the 202 and 
I'm just putting that out there. It's like after the comp pick, so it's really the two or three or whatever. But he put up numbers at Penn State. And what people don't realize about his situation at Penn State and his situation now, they're not that different. He didn't have amazing quarterback play at Penn State, and yet he still put up numbers. The other thing is also we do this every year, and I said this on the Trade Addicts pod too, but this is my plea to everyone. Do not judge rookies based off their first year situation because we've seen them change so quickly that if you really think they're talented, they will probably break out anyway. And I'm not saying that Jahan Dotson is like this amazing prospect that's guaranteed to break out, but I believe enough in his talent that I don't care that Carson Wentz is currently his quarterback because I imagine if he's as bad as all of Twitter seems to think Carson Wentz is, literally, if you go on Twitter and look up Carson Wentz, I guarantee you, probably within your first five tweets, you will see a poop emoji or a flaming trash can because that's how strongly everyone feels about him. Situations change. Looks like you're out here breaking hearts. Kev Wheeler says he totally wanted Wandale at 301 when he took him at 212. Well, there's a reason it's called trade addicts, Kevin, and you can always offer me something, especially because he's my wide receiver nine. That's my response to that. <laughs> That's so, awesome. So Bobby will trade him to you for two uh, 2023 uh, seconds. Um, and- excuse me. Now that I know that he wanted him that badly, the price is at least one first. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't blame you. I do the same thing. Or an um, aging running back one. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I am fine with that. Um, yeah, it's very interesting because every rookie draft that I've been in so far, and I still have a few left, Jahan Dotson has gone in the first. So. Mm. I'm wondering if this is more uh, Twitter maybe trying to drive the price down a little bit because I I think it's just the people I interact with or they just they realize that I like a player and so they have to say they don't because I like them. I, I will be honest with you. I don't know how to feel about Jahan Dotson. And I don't say that about many players because I, I have a stance and I could be I'm not saying I'm right, but I always have a stance. Like I, I really believe in this guy or I don't believe. And Jahan Dotson is one of these guys where I'm like, like, yeah, I see a path to him doing really well, but I also see a path where like, it just doesn't. And I, I can't, for some reason I cannot like form a solid opinion about Jahan Dotson. Now that's completely fair. And the one thing that I used to say when I do this more regularly is what I try to do is tell myself a story about how a player will succeed and then tell myself the opposite story about how he won't. And the thing with Dotson is like, you're right there. It's hard to do either or necessarily knowing the current situation. But that said, it's a similar story to like, the narrative or story that I've made up for Dotson doing well, right, is he was drafted in the first round. He succeeded at college with poor co- poor quarterback play. Ron Rivera clearly wants him because he was drafted in the first round. Curtis Samuel is coming off an injury and, frankly, just has not been that good at football for the past few seasons. Terry McLaurin is good, but he's getting older and might also be looking at what's happening in the wide receiver market and going, hey, where's my money? 
And Washington may be in the situation where it goes, you know what, we're kind of in a rebuild right now because we just traded for this quarterback who has not worked out at pretty much any of his stops. And we're going to have to get another quarterback and we're going to have to build around that guy. And we don't have the money to throw at Terry McLaurin. So there is a path there for Dotson to eventually become the wide receiver one of the commanders, at least in this, this best case scenario that I've made up. The other well, thing I mean, is he's a first round bust like many others before him. And I'm just totally wrong. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of opportunity there too. I mean, they don't have a wide receiver too at this point. Their tight end is injured again. Uh, you know, they've got McKissick in the backfield and we'll see what they do for receiving out of there. But uh, I, I would say there's definitely room for him to have uh, a role this year. So I, I love getting him early second. Um, I think that 111 spot and then the 102, those are the two picks that I tried the hardest to either trade up or trade out of because those are a couple of ugly places where you feel like you're you're pushed into either a gross pick and you got to reach for somebody that maybe doesn't work out still or, um, yeah, or you've got to take, uh, you know, somebody else that you're just not thrilled about because it's the smart pick. You know, your head says one thing, but your heart is screaming at you to go a different direction. So, uh, fortunately, I've only had to take the 102 a couple times. I think both times it's been Kenneth Walker based on need. Uh, and then 111, um, I was able to trade back in one of the leagues to 202 and gain a 23rd or 23 second out of it as well. And I, I feel great about that because at 202, I still got Rashad White, who I really wanted to take at 111. Uh, but I got to to add some value and watch other people go and, and reach for their guys anyways. So those are probably the two picks. But outside of that, I think I'm pretty much with you here, Bobby, that overall, as I go through, I think I'm, I've been through maybe seven or eight rookie drafts at this point. Up until the late second, even to the early third, there seems to be enough value moving around that typically I've found somebody that I'm okay with and that I, I'm content adding to the roster because there's, there's opportunity. And maybe we need to be a little more patient this year. We're not going to see you know, some of the immediate hits that we've seen in the last couple of years at the skill positions. Um, but I think last year was a good lesson in that for quarterback, right? We all had high hopes for Lawrence Fields, Lance, and these guys. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very uh, – I'm so excited to see how these guys will pan out. And maybe it is because we're still riding the high of all the drafts that are happening. But, uh, yeah, I think those are the two spots, the, the 102, 111, that I'm least excited about having. But other than that, the, the drafts have been a lot of fun so far. You summed up some of my thoughts perfectly. And Josh, I will give you an opportunity to talk, I promise. I just really quickly wanted to address this. Because I had the 102 and Trade Addict 7, and I really needed a running back, so I took Kenneth Walker. But I felt like in my gut and in my soul that I was reaching because I needed a running back. And then I had the 110, and I took Christian Watson. And it, again, it was – I don't even particularly love Watson, I think. I It's just – it was like, okay, if he hits and he's with Aaron Rodgers, people will value that and I will value that and I will regret it if I don't make this pick. Not, It wasn't like an actively like, I want to make this pick. It was just, if I don't make this pick, I will probably regret what will happen if he succeeds more so than like me being excited about it. Yeah, so I, I had the 102 in TA2 and I took Garrett Wilson because he was he was just my highest rated guy so i was like I, you know every you know people were talking to me about kenneth walker and i was like yeah i, I see where you're coming from but you know we we keep talking about an offense you know we keep talking about seattle's offense and how they're like run heavy and i'm like 
yeah, that's cool because you have some dude named Russell Wilson who can throw you out of pretty much any mess you get yourself into. That dude's name is Drew Locke this year. Take that for what it's worth. They're not going to be ahead in a lot of games, which means you got to throw the ball. Now, if you believe that Kenneth Walker is a capable pass catcher, take that Kenneth Walker and ride him. But uh, I don't know. So I I just went with Garrett Wilson. He was my he was my guy. Um, he was my highest rated guy, and I was like, that, that's what I'm gonna do. So um, we'll see, man. Like this this is really a year where you aren't like really confident in anything besides like Brees Hall. Like there there's a legitimate argument, not just like a made up argument where like ten bad things need to happen. But there's like a legitimate argument for pretty much everyone after Brees Hall where you go, this could end badly. Like, <laughs> and that's what we're rolling with this year. And that's fine. Like, I think we've gotten spoiled because the last, what, three draft classes have just been like, ooh, I can get a guy at 108 and I can get a guy at 110. I mean, what was it? Two, three years ago, I got in a super flex, I got Justin Herbert at 110 and Justin Jefferson at 112. Like, we're not going to be so, doing that. I will get the slight counter argument here, though, which is just like because everyone feels gross and because there's these kind of flat tiers after Brees Hall, there's also the opportunity that if you hit on one of the guys, especially if you do have one of those later picks, your value from where you drafted them is just going to shoot up the board. And I think I'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen, but there's a we have pretty good indicators that at least someone from this class that's not named Brees Hall will hit at the NFL level. And so if you are one of those lucky people that happen to like draft that person at the 112 or whatever, and they hit and suddenly they're worth two or three first, great. And that wouldn't happen in most years because in most years, if there was someone who was like consensus amazing, everyone's going to take them much higher than that. So maybe it's a bit of an opportunity. I agree. There's, I'm not saying that I don't still feel somewhat gross about this class, but one thing that made me feel better is I look back at some past draft classes, and I remember in Superflex leagues, maybe you guys didn't because maybe you're smarter than me, but I was taking like Mason Rudolph at the end of the second because I was like, well, maybe he'll become the starting quarterback after Ben or whatever. I feel much more confident and comfortable that some of these wide receivers will break out from the second round than I do that Mason Rudolph would ever become a real thing. So, you know, to use my own example again, Wondale Robinson at the 212 feels a lot better than Mason Rudolph at the 212. And that's just a credit to the fact that this class, while it's quarterback week, it is pretty deep at wide receiver, at least on paper. Yeah. And, that's the thing. I mean, we're going to we're going to bring up this conversation next year when we go, you know, David Bell was that guy or uh, Jalen Tolbert was that guy or Wondell Robinson was that guy. And the second that everyone took, but no one felt really great about. And then we're like, oh, like this guy is, you know, good. And I'm not saying elite. I'm not saying, you know, top 15. But we're like, oh, this guy was a like a usable flex every week that I had no issue just plugging in. I got him at the end of the second round or middle of the second round. 
And I'm thrilled that I got them because everyone just kind of laughed at what was left in the second round. And this was a guy that was starting for my team almost every week. So you're yeah, giving I people mean, too much credit though, because what will happen is like Wondale or David Bell or whatever will hit. And even the people who took them, even because they're just like, I don't know, this feels gross, but whatever, will be like, I loved him the entire time. I was the first one to tell you how amazing he is. Yeah. The other thing I will say is because I am not that person, while I named myself like the number one Jahan Dotson truther, I will say it was actually um, Shane Manila who turned me on to Dotson in the first place. So Shane earns that title and I'm like co-captain or vice president or whatever. I think I think we can allow that. I think we could we can make you the the vice president of the Jahan Dotson uh, fan club, and um, that way, when uh, when people really start uh, coming and asking to pay their membership fees, you're you're minted in there. Everyone knows that you're the vice president, and uh, they know where to go to for the uh, for the really important matters. When people are looking for someone to blame because he doesn't actually break out, I will just re-retire and it'll be fine. You'll just change your name to uh, at never liked John <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, we'll go there. But we got this one here from John McGlynn, friend of the show. Damian Pierce was my RB four in this class, and then he landed in a great spot. Talk about my guy, please. All right, John, we're gonna talk about your guy. Bobby, why don't you start us off? How do, how do you feel about Mr. Pierce? Do you like his landing spot? Do you like him as a player? Just give me your general feelings. What if I don't want to talk about Pierce? Because in Trade Addict 7, I wanted Pierce, and Russ sniped him from me. And so I just have no desire to talk about him whatsoever. But I will. I will just for you, John. Um, so that goes to show that I at least like him a decent amount because I wanted him and felt upset that Russ took him from me. I will say I got a co- pretty good uh, consolation prize in Trey McBride, especially because Trade Addicts pods are, or Trade Addicts leagues are 1.7 T premium. And maybe I even got the better pick, especially because Russ almost immediately was like, I will flip you, David Pierce, for Trey McBride. But I thought he wanted like a plus, And I was just like, nah, I'm good. This is, this is fine. Um, but yeah, Houston backfield's wide open. Davis Mills is better than people give him credit for. My boy, Brandon Cooks is out there opening up running lanes and, uh, they just added John Mechie who from, I'm not the biggest Mechie guy, but from what I'm told could be like a solid complimentary piece to Brandon Cooks. If you think he's going to overtake Brandon Cooks, I mean, I'm very, very biased because Cooks is my boy, but you're just wrong. He's going to be the secondary guy to Cooks. But I kind of like what the Texans are doing, which feels weird to say, given all the things they've done in the last few years. But then again, I'm also a Giants fan, so I don't have a lot of room to talk about what other teams have done in the last few years. Drew, what do, what do you think about Pierce? You, you like the spot? Do you like the guy? Tell, tell me, talk to me. Yeah, there's there's plenty of opportunity there. I mean, it wasn't Marlon Mack, and I forgot who else is there that he'd have to you know, beat out this summer in the fall. So there's plenty of opportunity, um, you know, played at Florida, good competition. He did well enough there to get drafted here. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take him. I, I would prefer to take Rashad White in most cases. Um, I think uh, Rashad White's probably my RB3 in this class if I had to force rank them. 
Um, I like where uh, Cook landed in Buffalo. And that's a bit of a homer pick for me. So Pierce is probably in my RB five or six range. Um, so I mean, I probably don't like him as much as John does. Uh, but you know, again, if he's one of those guys that's there uh, later in the second, I'll, I'll take a shot. So I said this pre-draft after Hall, Walker, and Spiller, whatevs with these running backs, like. Is Houston a good spot? I, I guess the concept of the Houston Texans being a good spot is a thing. But my issue is, like, can we trust Houston to not pull Rex Burkhead out of their back pocket or sign, like, Latavius Murray? Like, I just don't trust the Texans to do smart things, especially when it comes to running back. I mean, let, let's remember a couple of years ago, this was the team that thought David Johnson in a second round pick was all that was necessary to trade away DeAndre Hopkins. So I don't I don't trust them, especially when it comes to the running back position. So could he could he settle in and and be the guy? Absolutely. Like, but I think there's just as good of a chance as yeah. Kev just mentioned it, Marlon Mack or Rex Burkhead or some other dude that we're not even talking Royce about. Freeman. Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman. Oh, yeah. The, they re-signed Philip Lindsay, and he makes a research. Like, there's like like – They also have Dare okay, – I can't pronounce his last name. I'm not Dare even – Dare yeah, yeah, I apologize, Dare, if you ever listen. I do try to pronounce all names, but he, I Dare is a big fan. He's a big fan of the show, so – He'll, he'll appreciate the fact that you gave it the old try. But, yeah, so, like, I, my thing is, like, and, Bobby, you made a lot of good points. Like, they have Brandon Cooks. John Mechie probably will overtake Brandon Cooks once they trade Brandon Cooks. But before that, that's not happening. Uh, they also have Nico Collins, who I like a little bit. They have Brevin Jordan, who I like a little bit. So they have some, like, interesting pieces in the pass game. But, like, after watching like Rex Burkhead kind of, like somehow become the man in Houston and the DeAndre Hopkins trade, like I just don't trust them when it comes to running backs. So, um, hey, but if you like the guy, take the guy. I always, you know, people are like, is it too early to take X player? Do you like the guy? Do you think you can get him at, at your next pick? If the first answer is yes. And the second answer is no, then take your guy. Like who cares? Like, Damian Pierce might be that dude. He might end up being like the second best running back to come out of this class. And you're, I'm not saying that's happening, but there's a possibility. Anything. I, listen, nobody thought Mac Jones would be the best fantasy rookie last year out of the five guys that got taken in the first round. So, um, John also says, you guys are killing me, but I appreciate bringing me back to earth. The one thing I will say to make John feel better is as we were drafting, I would try to just, quickly like Twitter search different players names to see if people had different takes than I did and some really smart people. And I did say, I generally like Pierce. I just don't like him as much as I like Rashad White, for example, some really smart people on Twitter were in on Damon Pierce. So you're not alone on that. And look, I called him meh. So I didn't say he was bad. I just said, I didn't really care after the first three guys. So I you know I did not ever disparage his name. So if he ends up being good, I'll take a stand. I'm not a fan. 
they I, I once called Marlon Mack Marlon Meh and Peter Howard, who is a big fan, uh gave me a lot of flack about that. So if you call a player meh, you're saying they're bad. Don't hedge here, Josh. You're just saying he's bad. I'm actually saying I don't care about any of these guys after the first three. And I and with Isaiah Spiller's draft capital, I don't really care about him either. So if you're saying you don't care, that's acknowledging that they're bad because if oh, they yeah. weren't bad, you would care. Right, exactly. I mean, but I can also then turn this around when someone says you said he was bad. And I, I say I never said he was bad. I just said I didn't care. So Yeah, this is why this is why I left, by the way, because people hedge way too much, myself included. You just gotta stick to what you believe in, man. Come out there and say Damon Pierce, as quoted by Josh on the fantasy timeline at 939 Eastern, 511-22, is bad. Well, I will say that I did say there's just a good of a chance of him running that backfield than him getting overtaken by Latavius Murray. So, I mean, I think I've also put a lot of stuff out there that kind of people will know where I stand. If I'm talking about Latavius Murray, who currently is doing the same thing that I'm doing sitting on his couch. So um, we got that. So there you have it. Josh says Damon Pierce, bad quoted. Take it to the bank. John, you heard it here first. That's cool. I'm I'm fine with that <laughs> because I know if he is bad, no one will come around. And if he is amazing, then I will hear about it and I'll be like, yeah, that's cool. I, I still thought he was bad. What are you, you going to do? Um, here you go. Uh, this next one here, I want to bust this out real quick because uh, we, we spoke about it. But friend of the show, Dab Network brother, Rocky Trade Attic, Ad Dynasty FF Attic. What is the correct pronunciation of Juan Dele Robinson? Um, so yeah, Rocky, it's Juan Dele. How about that? I I just <laughs> gave it a new pronunciation, and that's how I'm going to say it on this show from now on. No Juan Dele, no Juan Dele, Juan Dele. How about that, Rocky? I mean, Juan Dele is what I was saying, and I was just flat out wrong. So it's just Juan Dele. It's not as cool as I tried to make it out to be. I, Maybe I thought it had like an accent on the E. I don't really know, but Wandale Robinson, that's it. It's unfair because Dare Ogumunwale doesn't have an accent on his E, but we make his name two syllables. Hmm. I'll have to bring that up with my friend who pointed out that Wandale does not have an accent on the E and was making fun of me for pronouncing it that way. But for those who don't know, this was X um, on the Trade Addicts pod last night. I kept saying it wrong, and then I looked up pronunciation. Um, yes, I see, I see you have trying to drive down his price. It's still a first. I don't care that you called him a midget. <laughs> hey, listen, we can, we can love discount Kadarius Tony as much as we want. That's fine. We can, we can love him. And then, you know, when he's not good in a year or two, I'm sure they'll just draft Kadarius Tony 3.0. Eventually, eventually it'll. It'll be right, right, right. Maybe they'll trade for Rondale. Or eventually they just could maybe draft a wide receiver that doesn't operate out of the slot primarily. Just just putting it out there. Don't don't you dare bring that into this conversation right now. We're gonna keep drafting these guys until we get it right. That is the way. That is the just keep making the same mistake until you get it. Hey, Washington's doing it with quarterback. Mm. 
I will say the one jersey I have is Sterling Shepard. So I'm a little sad because this move basically means this is definitively Shepard's last year here. I'm, I'm a big Sterling Shepard fan. That That's coming from someone who uh, roots for the Dallas Cowboys. I, I've always loved Sterling Shepard. So. Yeah, I got that jersey to be different because everyone here has like the Eli jersey or whatever. And I was like, nope, Sterling Shepard. That's my guy. Hey, respect. I respect that. And, and and in that same league, I traded the 213 for Kenny Galladay. So I got me a little of that, uh, that vaunted um, New York Giants offense now. So I'm well, uh, that leads into a listener question pretty well, not to take over your hosting duties, but. Nope. I remember the show sheet. So, um, yeah, Sheldon Hand at Dynasty Hoser, Kenny Galladay. Something just tells me he was due for at least one more good season. Anybody else a believer? Not likely. LOL. We saw that on you guys saw that on the timeline. It sounds like Josh is still somewhat of a believer because he gave up a, I guess, the twenty seventh best rookie in this class for uh, for Kenny Galladay. The risk worth taking. Drew, what are your thoughts? I, and then I will give my thoughts because I have very distinct thoughts, I think. Uh, I think a lot of it, is, it hinges on what you think is going to happen with the quarterback here in New York over the next season or two. Um, I I still hold out a, a, fair, a fairly large sliver of hope for Daniel Jones. Um, so I think he could definitely support a good year. I think, uh, you know, if Galladay can stay healthy, they get to work together a little bit more. I think Galladay's got the size to kind of go and, and get whatever Jones throws his way, um, which could help both of them. Uh, but overall, I, I would be pretty shy about making a, a sizable offer. So I think end of the second feels pretty good to me. Uh, if somebody's going to offer that to me, I would probably take a shot there because I think most cases, if I had to guess, Josh, uh, Galladay is probably your wide receiver five or six on that team. Something like that, yeah. I'd have to look at the team, but it's like so you're you're taking him as a potential flex, most likely like a bye week fill in if you need yeah. him or something. And then if he turns out to be more great, you can either flip him or you know you benefit from uh, if he has a solid year, maybe he helps get you to the playoffs. This is probably uh, my Giants bias speaking, but I am pretty much out on Galladay because I think his contract is cuttable after next year. First of all. And he'll be somewhat of an advanced age and may come off another down year if the Giants offense doesn't turn it around. And not to be that guy, because I know part of it is injury-based, but the last time he actually had a good season at this point was 2019. Because even in his last season in Detroit, it was a down year because he was injured. And then last year, he didn't come back and play that well, but that Giants O-line was trash. The Giants offense was trash. They're trying to fix their offense, and I'm very excited about what Dabble is trying to do with his coaching scheme and again thank you drew for being so gracious as to give us dabble i appreciate the loan and we will you know we're not even the new york giants anymore we're just (laughs) the uh new york buffalo bills south essentially um that said i think they are going to get tony involved they're going to get one dale involved because they just drafted him they do need someone on the outside to catch passes too and that's probably galladay's role i just don't see daniel jones being that guy to support three wide receivers, maybe not even one, if I'm being honest. I'm hoping he can support one. I'm even hoping he can support two. And then 
if they have a healthy Saquon, he will catch passes out of the backfield too. So it's just, it's such a loaded amount of targets to go around. And I just don't see them necessarily scheming Galladay that much. And then if he can be cut and come off essentially three down seasons, I just don't see his value necessarily going up. But as a Giants fan, I would love to be absolutely wrong about this take and have him go off for, you know, a thousand plus yards and like 10 touchdowns and the entire offense is just clicking and somehow we're like accidental playoff contenders or something. And even if that happened, we probably wouldn't go very far, but I'd still be very excited about it. All right. So I'm going to bounce around the comments a little bit because there's, there's a couple here I want to I want to point out. So first of all, Kev Wheeler, Giants are too good to have the draft slot to get their quarterback. Daniel Jones fumbles the Giants to a nine and eight record and just missed the playoffs. All right, Kev, we got to break this down a little bit. The Giants are too good. That's that's not a sentence that many people have said since uh, Eli was was slinging the rock. Um, that that's the first one because let's remember they were they were five this year, right? Because seven was actually the Chicago pick. That's right. Yeah, seven was the Bears pick. All right, so so that's the first one. Um, they they did very well in the first round. They got two studs in on both sides of the ball in the first round. Um, pained me as a Cowboys fan to uh, to see that, but they did well. Rest of their draft is TBD. Uh, we're going to put a TBD on that. Um, they legitimately Daniel, don't have corners. I'm just putting that out there. Like their cornerbacks are non-existent. Daniel Jones fumbles the Giants to a nine and eight record. First of all, Daniel Jones ain't playing 17 games. Let's stop. Ty God is going to come out there. Probably, probably win him three games because that's what he does until like the uh, the medical staff accidentally cuts out his ACL or something, and then he he's done uh, for the rest of the season. Um, but I'll tell you right now, nine and eight in the NFC East that that could get you the the title right there. That could get you the NFC East championship, and then you're in the playoffs. So. Um, a lot of very interesting aspects to that uh, to that statement, but nah, man. I mean, the Giants may, maybe they get one or two more wins, but I can't imagine them jumping from what they have last year. They had five wins. You're asking the wrong person. It's all just blacked out. I'm moving on. <laughs> you know, it's like the Bill Belichick statement of like, I'm on to whatever the next bonus. <laughs> I'm on to 2022. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I don't. Twenty twenty three is supposed to be the the class. And listen, if you're let's just say you're ten, let's say you're ten instead of five, you package that. You package a twenty twenty four first. You can move up. I don't think they're going to be so far back that like an additional first isn't going to get them where they need to be in the range to draft a quarterback. Personally, I could be wrong, um, but. This is, I will say, Kevin's point is like the most Giants thing to basically happen, where every year, even when they were bad, they were just good enough to screw themselves out of a top pick. So it would be a very Giants thing to happen where they were like a middling team, did not make the playoffs, but also moved themselves well out of contention for a top quarterback. And, you know, it's fine. I, I get it. This is just my life now as a Giants fan. I'm used to it at this point. There's There's slivers of hope. 
and I'm trying to hold on to that, but it's eventually just going to be what happens. It'll be like, I don't know, somehow like Geno Smith will circle back around and he'll be our starting quarterback next year. Geno Smith might be starting in uh, in Seattle like week three, so I don't know if he comes back around, but uh, we'll have to see. Here, here's another one I, I like from John McGlynn. Just traded the 306 for Sam Darnold. Tell me something positive. Um, Sam Darnold looks like the villain from The Incredibles. I don't think that's positive. I don't think that's positive. Yeah. Um, here's something positive. Um, about, you know, hey, listen, here's something positive. Bacon tastes great. Beer is good. Um, now if I have to tell you something positive about what you just did, I can't do that. So I'll, I'll just tell you other positive things. Um, you probably found yourself a future trade partner after this trade. Somebody else want to come back to the well again. So that's a, so that's a good one. Yeah. They'll want to come back because you have established that you are a willing trade oh, yeah. partner. Right. Right. And they probably like the value that they got from you. And so now you have. You know, it's just a relationship builder. Sometimes you got to lose one to win one. True. Great silver lining. See, this is why you are the co-host with the most because That's what I'm here for. I I would not have thought of that. Um, I just was telling him some food and drink related positives that I that I could come up. At. Kev, I can't argue with you on this. Bacon on pizza is the 101. Absolutely, I'll throw some sausage on there and some pepperoni and just chow down. So the whole there you pig. go. There, there's a yeah, there's a positive. Throw some bacon on your pizza and just enjoy enjoy your life. Just that will make your trade feel better. Bacon on pizza. If you're like, oh man, this trade maybe not so much. Eat some bacon on pizza and you'll be like, you know what? Everything is gonna be all right. And it will be. And it will be. Sam Darnold will be in the NFL. So that that's always that's always good for fantasy. You need people in the NFL on your team. And he's there. I have another positive spin, just picking backing off what Josh said. You could have used that pick on someone who would undrafted, and they might be cut from a roster. So you at least have someone who's on a roster because possibly you're not a great drafter. And so you just needed to guarantee yourself someone who has a roster spot. Very true. And 306 this year could be a guy who gets cut like week two of the preseason so there you go there you go we got you we got you john we got you john so uh i actually got i actually got this sent to me right before we went on the went on the air so to speak so um i want to read this this is from the ogre at no good nick is this a good trade so he received Travis Etienne and a 2023 third, and he gave up Mark Andrews. He says, I also have Hawkinson, so he would slide into my tight end spot. <sighs> Listen, th this is kind of like uh, with John. Um, bacon is good. Um, cold beer is great. Um Drew is a is a big uh, whiskey and bourbon guy, so if that's your cup of tea, um, hit Drew up. He will give you some recommendations. 
Um, what else? You know what? A great burger on the grill. Do that up and then put the bacon on top of that. Maybe you hit yourself with a slice of like cheddar. Maybe if you want to get wild, do a little brie on there. Um, but yeah, about that, man, Mark Andrews is like one of those damn near untouchables for me. Nobody's ever truly untouchable, but man, you you have to just make me go, oh man, this is an instant accept and make me smash that button in order to get uh, Mark Andrews. I think I only have one share of him. So um, unfortunately, I, I have not been blessed and I am at this point not going out and trying to buy him because I would probably have to give up half my team to do so. Um, but I don't care if this is tight end premium, not tight end premium, two tight ends, no tight end. I don't, I don't care. Mark if I Andrews. may, Josh, maybe, and I need to look up their name again. I apologize. So maybe the ogre uh, at no good Nick on Twitter just beats their league so bad continually all the time that they felt really bad about it, and so they needed to trade away the tight end who just had a wide receiver who was taking targets away from him traded away to another team. You know, Hollywood Brown was gone and he's like, no, if I keep Mark Andrews, I'm just going to win. And I don't like to win by that much. It's just unfair to the rest of the league. It doesn't feel good to beat people when they're not playing up to the competition. You know, every week he's winning by 200 points. So he's like, Hey, let me make a trade. The league won't fall apart because I'm continually beating them by 200 points. And it'll be good. Maybe he's just a humanitarian that way. Bob, Bobby, you you just gave me a business idea because I, I hear this from from people that I speak to and, and people on, on the Twitter. Um, I feel bad because my team is was so well built that I just, I just crush. I I lose like one or two games a season. I win every other championship it's just it, it's dominance maybe i should throw throw my team into a dispersal or maybe i should make trades like this to to you know give away my wealth a little bit i think for five dollars a season you give me five dollars and when you're starting to feel like oh, maybe i should make this bad trade i'm just gonna be your hype man I'm going to tell you how great your team is, how good you should feel about yourself in the moment. I'll call you. I'll text. I'll hit you up in the DM. Whatever whatever you like, whatever is best for you. And I'll just be like, look how good this team is. Why would you ever want to break this team up? You got Mark Andrews. You got TJ Hawkinson. You got a bunch of other guys that are just dominant. You probably have like Tyreek Hill and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson you're probably repping like Dak Prescott and, Ju and Justin Herbert at quarterback if this is a super flex. Your running backs are probably like Antonio Gibson and uh, Jonathan Taylor. And you probably got like two other guys in there that are like top 15. Your team is great. Don't ever trade this away. $5 a season. All you people that are that are so upset about your amazing teams, give me $5 a season. I'll just hype you up when you're feeling like you have to throw away players to, to help your league mates out. Um, I will say all jokes aside, um, this is not a trade. I, if it wasn't clear, this is not a trade I'd be making either. I'm not trying to be uh, mean about it. It's just 
you know, you're talking about a running back who's coming off a foot injury, which is always a little scary, although I am clearly not a doctor. And the second round pick, which while we were all just talking about the fact that we're excited for the seconds this year, there's no guarantee they'll actually hit. And then Mark Andrews, who I alluded to, lost Hollywood Brown from his team and is basically the only one who can really catch passes for Lamar Jackson now. So little light on the value there. I hope that you are happy with the trade, as I hope everyone is happy with their trades. But personally, I am not a fan of it. And I wish you the best of luck going forward. Yeah, I, I was reading this in the first line. I thought at first it was ETN in the second pick this year. I was like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, ETN the 102. And I could see, you know, last week I, I talked Bill through a trade where I think he gave up the 10, the 102 or the 103 and a couple pieces to get Andrews. And then, yeah, reading the bottom line, that that was definitely, um, yeah, that that's not enough for a guy like Andrews in, in any format. Um, but Again, you never know. Uh, it's one of those things that's a crazy, crazy game. I've seen some crazy lopsided trades go through, and a year later or midseason, it, it looks very different than when you made the trade. So, but yeah, hopefully this is uh, you know, hopefully this was fun for you. Hopefully it works out in some way. Um, you know, I think a lot of us are rooting for ETN. I'm definitely skeptical coming off of a foot injury for a running back, but I know a lot of people, it's funny to see the wide range of, of picks this year that people were willing to give for ETN. Some people going saying they'd give up as high as like the 103, 140 ETN on their team, which I'm not in that range, but um, you know, you've got people that, that have that much of value on ETN. So, uh, but yeah, I think we're three for three. We, we would probably not do this if it was offered to us. And honestly, Drew, if this was Travis ETN in the 102, still not doing it like that like that's how highly I, I think of of mark andrews where it's just like barring injury this dude is set up to be what a top two tight end absolutely monster like the only the only person that we can realistically talk about keeping him at a tight end one is travis kelsey that that's it like that's the only person that we can realistically talk about there's an argument to be made for Kyle Pitts. I'm not that guy to make that argument personally, but there is an argument to be made for Kyle Pitts. For me, though, and I, I say this because I just had this conversation in one of my league chats. For me, it's literally just Mark Andrews and then the field. Like Mark Andrews is my clear-cut tight end one because he has both age on his side. He has target volume on his side. He has already proven production on his side. It literally has everything you want to see for dynasty for a piece that you're going to build around for X number of years. And we also know that like, even if you're like, Oh, well, Mark Andrews is already like 25 or 26 or however old he's going to be tight ends age very differently than running backs 25 for a running back. You are walking around with your Walker tight end. You are just getting started with your career and most of them haven't even broken out yet at this point. I mean, what what's Travis Kelsey going to be? Thirty three this year, something like that. And and I just said Travis Kelsey is the only person that could that I think could realistically have an argument to keep Mark Andrews at a tight end one. And we're talking about that's eight years away for for Mark Andrews. And I, mean, I the thing I will say for Pitts, just to give like the Pitts argument, is he just had one hundred and ten targets as a rookie. They don't have anyone else really. Well, they have Drake London now, but Calvin Ridley is still not back. 
Pitts did put up a thousand yards as a rookie, which is pretty good. If I will say this for Pitts, he had one touchdown, one touchdown his entire rookie season. If he had any more touchdowns and put up the rest of the numbers that he did, we would be talking about him very, very differently. I think it's just a matter of he didn't score in the red zone. And so we're not talking about him as this like amazing guy, but I can very easily see the argument of Pitts versus Andrews even. But I'm, as I said, I am clearly team Andrews. But when right. someone tells me that Pitts is their tight end one, I'm not like, oh my God, you're crazy. Yeah, and I, and I think the only thing, I, I and by the way, I'm going to start this by saying I love Kyle Pitts. I think the only thing that limits him is the fact that the quarterback is either Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter. And while I think Marcus Mariota is a okay, a fine quarterback, like, hey, it's, it's cool to have him as your starting quarterback. And I know everyone's going to go, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's actually like, uh, he's above Marcus Mariota. Like, I'm not saying he is a, you know, a QB one, but he, he's above Marcus Mariota in the, in the skills department. I think that's the only thing that limits him. And the fact that Bobby, you mentioned it, there, there is nobody else there. It's, you know, we're going to talk about Olamid Zacchaeus and, you know. I mean, Trick London, I think, will be a good wide receiver. But we we differ on that, but that's fine. That, <laughs> that's what makes the world go around. Uh, the differences make the world go around. But that is, that is somebody, by the way, that you can mark me down at 10.03 on <laughs> the 129th episode of the uh, Fantasy Timeline and actually other episodes previous to this. I'm I am not a Drake London guy, and that's fine. All of the all of the smart people with the numbers and the this and the that have told me why I'm wrong. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But um Rocky will always will always say to me, dude, you were right about Jalen Rager when everybody loved Jalen Rager. And I'm like, listen, I don't I don't ever take the victory laps because it's just not fun when you do your own victory lap. It's more fun when someone goes, hey, man, you were actually right about that. So every time Rocky says it, I feel good inside. But, yeah, Drake London just – I am I am not seeing what the very smart people are seeing, and I'll probably be wrong, and I'm cool with that. But for now, it, it's Kyle Pitts and some some other guys uh, catching the ball. And then, you know, the, the running back situation is, you know – it depends on how much you like Cordell Patterson and then Tyler Algier and all that stuff. But since we were talking about good old KP, Kyle Pitts, why don't we jump to uh, Tommy Blair at FF Tommy B? What is the most that you would pay for Kyle Pitts? And this is such this is such an interesting question because I have. I, I, I loved Kyle Pitts. So I have quite a few shares of, of KP. And people have been hitting me up with like the most terrible trade offers for him. Like you would have thought that he like was arrested for a crime or got into a major car accident with some. And I'm like, did I miss something? Every time I get a deal like that, I, I check. The internet. I go to Google and I type the guy's name in because I'm like, well, yeah, if he just got arrested on like, you know, 
drug possession. You know, if he pulled like a Nate Newton and he had like a trunk full of drugs, all right, like maybe it's time to get out. But every time I, I check Google, it's just like, nope, Kyle Pitts just being his awesome self. So if you realistically were trying to get Kyle Pitts, what would you two uh, very intelligent men, Drew, we'll start with you. What, what would you be willing to give up to get yourself some Kyle Pitts? Uh, not as much as I would give for Mark Andrews. And that, uh, I would say if I thought I had, uh, if I had been doing the dynasty game, right. And I've got a couple of firsts next year in 2023 in a class that everybody is excited about. Uh, and I thought, you know, maybe one of them is going to be later. Cause one of them is mine. Cause I'm doing this right. I, as long as I didn't think I was going to end up with a top three pick or something like that, I'd probably give two of my, my 23 firsts. I'd offer that up and see if that would be enough to get them get pits off of uh, the other manager, um, especially if they're looking at you. Know, maybe this is their one of their good picks from last year, and they need to continue to rebuild. But that's probably about as far as I'd go as uh, with picks. As far as player wise, uh, I probably am a little more flexible with players. So depending on what what people's values are, um, I think that's where you could get a little bit more creative and have some fun with trying to make some moves. Um, but I, I would be looking to give uh, you know. Maybe now uh, figure out what I would take with Deshaun Watson to get there. If I've got Watson on my team, if I feel pretty good at quarterback, um, you know, if you don't want to take on that risk and figure out, you know, how many games is he going to miss over the next couple of years. But uh, as far as picks go, which is kind of universal, I'd say a couple of 23 firsts is, is where I'd land. All right, Bobby, what about you? What are you giving up to get Kyle Pitts? So my answer is this going to be complicated because my first answer is nothing and i say nothing because i think whoever owns kyle pitts probably values him already more than i do um that said i totally agree that if i could get him for you know two firsts i think that's a pretty solid price for him um given that i just said that i could make the argument for him to be the tight end one and he's just a rookie if we're talking like a trade addicts 1.75 T premium. I don't know that 1.5 really moves the needle for me that much, but I have seen the difference in the 1.75 leagues. I maybe bump that up to like two firsts and an additional second or something like that. But honestly, most of the people, and maybe this is just because I'm friend, very good friends with John Bosch, but whenever I talk about like Kyle Pitts, it's basically like it's your firstborns, 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 like entire team roster, plus you pay my league fees for the next 100 years, and then you can get Kyle Pitts. And I'm just like, cool, so I'm never going to match your price for Kyle Pitts. Yeah, so um, I, I think I'm closer to the uh, John Bosch uh, mindset. I just, uh, you know, what would it take? All that pops into my head is the, uh, the Thanos meme, where it's just like everything. And that's He's what used it is. that one before he i've seen him post screenshots by the way of trading basically like half of a roster of good players for kyle pitts and being like what did it take and it's literally the thanos meme everything yeah and because here, here's my thing we we just talked about kyle pitts or excuse me mark andrews being 25 and travis kelsey being 33 and then yeah, eight years like yeah, a lot of people go, well, you know, dynasty leagues last like three to five years and then they blow up. Cool. I try not to be in those leagues. <laughs> like, I'll be honest. Like, I try to be in leagues that are I'm like, hey, they're gonna they're gonna be here for a while. I'm gonna be here for a while. 
let's have some fun. And Bobby made the argument like, hey, we could be talking about Kyle Pitts at tight end one. Like you obviously were still saying like Mark Andrews is that dude, but we can make that argument for Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts is younger and Kyle Pitts is on a team with no other receiving options. So that sounds really good to me at a position where, you know, once you get past like tight end seven, like, cool, just throw a dart. Like they're all the same guy at that point, you know, and especially Bobby, you mentioned it in like a 1.75 and I have pits and TA too. So maybe that's, you know, another reason why I'm like, you know, that 1.75 is just like, cool. He's like a, you know, what a top, 15 wide receiver in that format like cool so just give me another one of those on top of what i already have and i'm i'm cool i'm fine with it let's roll so yeah like it'll take a lot for me to i would have to look at a trade and just be like oh this is an instant accept for uh for me to to trade kyle pitt so yeah uh it it's gonna be an everything from me tommy but from the other guys they're 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 talking about 223 first maybe in a ta league where it's 1.75 tight end premium maybe you throw an extra second especially if that second looks like it's going to be a higher second but um yeah and i i would Can be I ask a quick question yeah crew do you roster any kyle pitts uh yes Okay, I was curious if you didn't because I don't, and I wonder if I was wondering essentially if the price for people mm-hmm. who don't roster him is lower than the people who do because we're like, yeah, well, I don't roster him, so I don't value him quite as highly. But it sounds like maybe Josh is just very. Uh, I, I think favorite. there's some truth to that in general, right? I mean, you're talking about that earlier about some of the guys you you picked in this year's rookie drafts. There's there's always that perception of when you have them. Versus when you don't, uh, I've only got him in, I think one or two places. So I certainly don't have as much as Josh does. Uh, so I don't know if that means it would take more or less to get them, get him off my team. But uh, yeah, if, if I'm, if I reverse that and think about what would it take, uh, I would definitely want probably two of those 23 first and then some sort of a replacement player with it. So if you're going to give me somebody that's in that, you know, maybe like a Darren Waller, uh, Goddard, you know, maybe as low as like, I like Noah Fant still for long-term. So somebody else who's young and athletic. So, uh, you know, that would be in that range where I'd at least have to think about it. Um, probably, probably wouldn't smash it, uh, right away when I saw it, but that'd be, that'd be the range. So there's definitely some disparity between what I would be willing to give up versus what I'd want to get to move him. And Drew, I think I, I, I say this all the time and people, people like to nitpick on this, but I, I think, I think this happens for every player. I know we like to think like, oh, if I say that I would pay two first, I would sell for two. Like, no, like I'm always trying to get more when I'm selling a guy as opposed to when I'm buying. It's just the way we do things. It's what is your max point when you're trying to buy the guy? So not to get too nerdy, but I this is a great topic to lead into. So when I was in grad school, I took a bunch of marketing classes because I thought I was going to become a marketer. Spoiler, I did not become a marketer, but I do work with marketing technology. Um, there was, the reason I bring it up, though, is there are psychological studies that were conducted where they gave one group 
it was like five chocolate bars or whatever and another group of mug and they were the same exact value in monetary value and when they asked them would you trade your five chocolate bars for this mug and told them straight up same monetary value like these people didn't have a preference for chocolate whatever it was all just like you had to try to maximize your money they were like no i value my chocolate bars more and when they tried to get to the essentially the summation is when you get down to the brass tacks psychologically we value what we already have more than the thing that we don't have and so you have to pay essentially a little bit extra to get the thing we have even if you're giving up something of equal value and like logically we should do it emotionally we just make this attachment to the thing that we already have and so you have to like pay essentially that emotional tax price and that same thing happens in dynasty to drew's point like I don't know that I would have called myself like a Rashad white guy before I drafted him in the second round. But as soon as I did, I was like, Leonard Fournette is toast. <laughs> and yeah, we, we do that because, because I said earlier, I'm, I'm a Garrett Wilson guy. And I'm like, have you seen what the jets have done? They they've, you know, they've bolstered that line and now they have Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. They got CJ Uzama at tight end, Brees Hall. Like, you know, Zach Wilson is going to take the, the next step. Look at everything around him. And like when you like a guy, and then like you say, you draft a bunch of a bunch of a person and you have him on your rosters, you're like, yeah, like because in your mind, you're like, well, I, I couldn't have possibly like mess this up i couldn't possibly have gotten you know an insert name a guy it doesn't have to be gary wilson it can be your favorite guy and i couldn't have possibly gotten this wrong the caveat then, is unless you're drew and giving the opportunity to pick a new draft pick right there you go that that's what you know drew drew liked the guy for about 15 <laughs> minutes and then said maybe maybe i went wrong here um yeah and bobby it's funny you you mentioned that because we I have a lot of friends who are real estate agents and we see that with houses, you know, you look at your house and you go, my house is worth, you know, $350,000. And a real estate agent comes in and goes, look, like realistically, it's probably more like 295. And you go, but, but I redid the kitchen and I redid the bathroom. And they're like, yeah, like I walked around the house, like I saw all that, but it's 295. And, and, they talk about this all the time. Anytime I hang out with them, they're like, people don't understand, like, just because you put in what you consider to be an amazing bathroom or an awesome kitchen, or you, you know, built a walk-in closet in the master bet bedroom, like you put a bunch of value on that because you did that. Like you either did it yourself or you paid someone to do it and you think it adds all this value. But in reality, like what? most other people are going to see is what I'm telling you they're going to see because they've seen comps and they've seen other things like they know how to fairly accurately price a house. So it's, it's like, also just that emotional attachment. People yeah. are naturally emotionally attached to their house. And like most people, I'm not saying everyone have good memories associated with living mm -hmm. in their house. And so they go, Oh, I have, you know, they don't think about this from like a, this is getting very Freudian, but they don't think of it on like a conscious level. Right. But subconsciously, it's like, I have good memories here. So that makes it more valuable because I have good yeah. memories here. And that 
this bathroom that we built. I that adds value because somewhere down these steps, my son took his first steps, and that yep. means this other family will value that as much. It's the same thing with like dynasty players. I've had this guy. I've said it earlier, and it might have been in the pre-show. Brandon Cooks was the first ever rookie draft pick that I took in Dynasty. To this day, Brandon Cooks is my boy, and it has served me well because Brandon Cooks has basically never failed to get over a thousand yards, and I will stand by my boy. But if I have him on my roster, you have to pay me more than market value because he is my boy, and I refuse to let him go for anything less than above market value, basically, because to me, Brandon Cooks will never fail to put up a thousand yards until he does base. And I'm just putting that out there. He will never, I mean, I know it's happened because he like got injured, but every time he's been traded or whatever, people are like, no, this is the year where it stops. Mm -hmm. It hasn't stopped yet. This is not me trying. And I'm proving my own point. I am emotionally invested in Brandon Cooks career. And so therefore you have to pay the emotional tax to get him if you want him from the dynasty. And I've learned something today. I can never be, in a league with Bobby because one of us would have Brandon Cooks. And if it wasn't me, I would just look at Bobby's roster like once a week and just look at Brandon Cooks and be like, you will never be mine. And it would hurt me. It would pain me deeply. When Bobby I would send you a trade offer every week. I'll give you one Brandon Cooks for one Kyle Pitts. It would actually just be, I'd probably be a little nicer. I'd be like, here's one Brandon Cooks for one like 23 first. You know, same thing with Wondell and Kev earlier. It's just that's the price. As soon as I know you want them, price is going up. And I and I would, my head and my heart would fight for about thirty seconds until <laughs> until my head won and was like, no, you can't do this to your team. But you like my heart would be like, but you really want. This. So really quick side story in Trade Addict Seven, but right before the draft, I had a ton of picks, and Russ sent me an offer for like the 102, 110, 112, and I think it was also 107 or, or 19. And it was Kyler, or yeah, Kyle Murray. I was also giving up Trey Lance in this deal, by the way, but it was Kyle Murray, Brandon Cooks, Darnell Mooney, and I forget one other thing. And it was, I was basically like, it's like Russ looked at all the players that I've been, and smart, that I've been very vocal about liking. And I was like, here, I will offer these to you, but for way above what they should actually probably be valued at. And there was a part of me that was like, I need to make this trade because this is one of the few rosters where I don't have Brandon Cooks on my roster. And I will pay this to get Brandon Cooks because he is my boy. And I also love Darnell Mooney. And I value him as a first, even if no one else does, damn it. So it's fine. And then I talked to like other people on Twitter and they were basically like, no, Bobby, do not do this. Yeah. This is not a smart move. And I was like, but... I'm trapped in a glass case of emotion because Brandon Cooks is not on my roster right now. Yeah, I I rem I forgot who sent me the trade. It was in TA2 though. It was I would give up Derek Carr and a 23 first and and this is a rebuild for like Tua and like the 108 or the 109 and I literally responded and I said I'm giving up the two best pieces in this trade. I, I don't understand why you think I would do this. <laughs> I just sent it. But apparently, I think someone listened to the show and maybe thought that I was I was the Tua lover. Drew, Drew loves Tua. So hmm. maybe they listened to the show and they got it mixed up and thought that I would, I would overpay for uh, Tua. 
but I was like, uh, no, this will, this will not happen. Drew gets embarrassed every time I say Los Tua, but he's he's a big. Fan. That's because he's a Bills fan, and like they're supposed to be talking about how Tua threw, you know, under threw that ball to Tyreek Hill, even though it's camp and no one really cares. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. That's that was uh, that that was a that was an interesting uh, bet that we made. Um, I think Drew felt very good about Tyreek Hill coming into the fold after the bet was made. And then he saw that video and maybe didn't feel that much better after he saw that uh, Tua can't get him the ball deep. So that'll be uh, that'll be fun to watch as the season goes on. But well, two one I have a question and then also statement. So I'll go with the statement first. The statement is I learned last night that I don't like Tua as much as I thought I did because I was pressed on it basically. In one of my league chats, I was always the one defending Tua while one of my league mates, and he actually wanted me to identify him. So his name is Bill Duviel. He has written at a few places before. He's like, used to be rotted up, so I don't know what he is these days. But he legitimately just calls Tua straight up butt cheeks. That's like his name for Tua. And I would always be the one defending Tua. And part of it was also that I did have Tua on my roster. I shipped him out in a trade that involved like Alvin Kamara, and to uh, for I think it was Russell Wilson and Aaron Jones and some other piece. And I was kind of weak at quarterback and was like, I also, Russell Wilson, for those who don't know, is probably like my number one quarterback love. And I was just like, I want to be invested in him in Denver. So why not? Um, but last night on Trade Addicts, we were talking about a trade of Lamar Jackson for Tua, a 23 first and a 24 first. And I told the league about this and I was like, I had to be on the Lamar side because you're just taking on so much risk with the Tua side. If Tua bust and the picks don't hit, you gave up Lamar for basically nothing. And they were all like, no, that like even the guy who called Tua butt cheeks was like, I would take the two and the pick side. And I was like, what is happening here? You are the guy that I've been fighting with for a year plus about how bad Tua is. And suddenly I'm the guy who is anti-Tua. And I told him, I'm like, I don't think you're allowed to call him butt cheeks anymore, man. Like, just no. But apparently he's still he's still calling him butt cheeks or whatever else he's calling him. So there you go, Bill. I'm 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 with you though, Bobby. I think in that trade scenario, I'm, I'm taking Lamar too because I almost feel like Tua is like this is like the one year prove it deal for Tua. They're like, all right, like we got you weapons, like put up or shut up because I mean. Brian Flores was pretty much fired for the fact that he was like, uh, can we get Deshaun Watson in here and ship to a, anywhere else? And the GM was like, no, I drafted this guy. This is my guy. We're going to roll with him." And Brian Flores was like, all right, uh, maybe that's who you're actually talking to in your league chat is Brian Flores. Because <laughs> I'm sure he probably called, called him a couple of times. Yeah. While watching him play, so uh, by all reports, he said something to Tua's face that Tua did not take well to. So it probably was just like Brian was like, "Your stop, yeah, stop playing like your butt cheeks." Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I feel like the question, though, by the way, while we're on the subject, was I don't know if I know what the terms of your bet was. Oh, so I took uh, Trevor Lawrence. He took Tua. Uh, final season fantasy point total. So, just who scores more? And 
for I this think. upcoming season or this upcoming yep. season yeah nice all right i actually don't know where i fall on that um so i mentioned this last night on trade addicts pod too and so i i apparently will just repeat things that i said last night repeatedly which is fine but as you guys know in the cool kids club j mike recently asked us about a trade and then was like no thoughts just gut instincts and i said like my gut hesitated so my gut hesitated there but then ultimately it leaned the two aside which i'm surprised about so maybe i still am a two a truther and i just don't recognize it but um also just like i do really like christian kirk but he's not like a wide receiver number one and Tua does have Tyreek now, and he does have Waddle, and he has weapons around him. But I also, I am making the same, I hear it out loud in real time. I am making the same argument about Tua right now that I used to yell at people for making about Drew Locke. And I said this also last night on the Trade Addicts pod, where I was like, I was never convinced with Drew Locke. I always thought he was bad. I flat out said, and you can quote me on this, that Drew Locke is trash and flaming pile of garbage. And if you surround a flaming pile of garbage with weapons, it's still a flaming pile of garbage surrounded by weapons. Tua is not that, but if in the rare event that he is butt cheeks, surrounding butt cheeks with weapons does not make him any less of butt cheeks. So, and this was this was the the basis of, of my Trevor Lawrence argument, and and I've said this, I've coined this phrase. He's the first player in NFL history that had to be the starting quarterback and the head coach in the same season. Uh, no player has ever had to do that before. So, I mean, we look at Trevor Lawrence and we're like, and I, I hear people now, Trevor Lawrence, he, he's he's done. Like, he had one bad year and we can't we can't put any faith in him anymore. And my thing is like, okay, maybe maybe we stop calling him the best thing since Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning or whatever. And that's fine. I, I thought that was kind of a lot to begin with, but like Doug Peterson is, is a good NFL coach. He's won a Super Bowl with a team that wasn't exactly elite. Um, they've, they've got him weapons. Uh, the price point for those weapons is suspicious, but their weapons. I mean, it's it's a much better upgrade than Laquan Treadwell and, and Jamal Agnew and you know the stuff that was getting thrown out there for several weeks during last season. Um, and and I think he's just w- way more talented than Tua, uh, so Mr. Butchies. Here's the thing, yeah, Mr. Butchies. Here's the yeah. thing. I recognize that it's a different game and a lot of these rookie quarterbacks are producing right away, but imagine like if we had given up and this is what I say all the time. And it's all, usually I use it as a do. I use it as a defense of rookie quarterbacks that I like, and I don't use it as a defense of rookie quarterbacks that I don't like. Imagine basically if we had said the same thing about like pretty much any of these hall of fame quarterbacks, because when almost all of them started, at least initially their rookie seasons were, pretty rough yeah you mentioned even Peyton if I recall didn't Peyton like break the interception record yeah yep. so if we've given up on Peyton Manning because of his rookie season and I'm not saying like Lawrence is going to have a right. Peyton Manning type career but if we had done that just imagine how foolish you would feel right now mm-hmm. and 
I get it. It's a different game. It's more favorable to the quarterbacks. It's easier to come in and you know pass right away, and it's more of a passing game. Blah 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 blah. We. This is my number one. I don't know if you call it pet peeve or what you want to call it with the dynasty community, with the fantasy community, or whatever. We are not patient, and we're playing a game that requires patience. And I said this last night on Trade Addicts too but this is the number one edge that is still exploitable within Dynasty is, and I know people have their own opinions of it. This is my number one exploitable edge. Buying picks that are a few years out because people think the league will fold or whatever, or they're just not patient. You can get a ton of value that way because people will undersell on them because they're like, oh, I don't care. I'll figure it out later. And I even heard Rocky and Russ basically say that last night. I was like, great. I will send you some offers for your picks later tonight when you figure it out and in two years, I will be making those picks and be very happy with the value that I got. And I get it. Time is money, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. This is an edge that is very, very exploitable. And by the way, when you exploit it, you can usually build like a actual dynasty, which is the whole point of the game and win multiple years in a row. And I've, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I have done this exact plan and have done that in a couple leagues where I have won back-to-back championships by essentially just, being patient. Love that. Yeah. And I totally agree. Cause think about two years ago in 21, you know, that we, we loved that draft, but imagine if you were trading, you know, your, uh, say your Tyree kill for two twenty twenty three first. All right. Yeah. Well, it's 2023. Who cares, man? We still have this draft that we're doing and a 2022 draft and then we're going to work. But now you're like sitting on those two twenty threes, and it's like, even if it's eleven and twelve, people are like twenty twenty three first. Like we whisper it, we don't even say it out loud because it, it, we just hold it in such high esteem that we can't even say it out loud. We have to whisper. Are either of you SpongeBob fans? Because when you're saying that, my only thought was like two gold doubloons, and that will not make sense if you've never watched SpongeBob. I, I'm not, unfortunately, not a SpongeBob guy. So, um, oh man, but you gotta you gotta watch the episode too. I, I will find that episode and watch it. But and that's the thing. And I hear people say that all the time. And I mean, right now, no one is really offering them up. But if someone is going to give me a, a 24 first for someone that I'm like, oh, this guy is maybe his last season or maybe he's got one more season after that, you know, and, you know, like kind of like, I mean, I bought Zeke. I mentioned it earlier for a two Oh five, but if, if I had Zeke and someone tomorrow was like, I will give you a 24 first because it's two drafts away. Like, cool. Like I'll do that because, you know, Zeke, I don't know if he's going to be around in 2024 and even if he's in the league kicking around somewhere, he's not going to be the Zeke that we've talked about, you know, you know, the last three seasons, maybe before last season, he's not going to be that guy. So like, cool. I'll take the 24 first. I'll sit on it for a couple of years. And here's the crazy part. And I, people don't mention this when they give that argument, you, you can trade that pick. Like it's, it's fine. Like it doesn't have to, you don't have to make it. So, yeah, um, that's the other thing we talked about. You don't necessarily have to wait, but the one caveat I will add is the longer you can wait until yep. the closer you are on the clock, the better off you will be in terms of getting value back for the pick. 
It's just, it's a proven thing. I mean, I get it. People like to make trades. I like to make trades. But if you can wait as close as you can until people are like, oh man, I have to have, you know, Traylon Burks, as they talked about with Russ, people will trade in and they will overpay for it. Um, the one thing I have found people start to come around on is the idea that first are first, basically, no matter what draft class they are in. And so there's somewhat, there's people are starting to come around on them. There's slightly less of an edge of buying out future first. Future seconds, though, people still do not care whatsoever. And you can get them. You can be like, yeah, I'll, actually, I just did this. You can be like, I'll give you a third in this class for like a second, two years out. And they're like, yeah, man, great. Like, cool. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. And again, if you if you did that last year, you're sitting on 23 seconds now. And even though we can say 23 seconds out loud, it's not, you know, <laughs> You know, we don't have to. It's whisper. not two gold doubloons, which That's I will cool. post the. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I'm I'm gonna be watching that after we uh we sign off. But you know, now I mean, even twenty and even twenty three seconds, we're like, and like there's gonna be guys in the second that we're gonna love, and we're gonna be, and you have those, and I I love I I mean, I got those thrown into so many deals to move down in the first this year. Like, hey, let me move down two spots and you give me a 23 second. I don't even want a 22 second. Keep you have those. Give me a 23 second. And a lot of people were like, yeah, sure, 23 second. Who cares? And then in November, we're going to start hearing about it. People are going to be out of the race. They're going to be looking for, and they're going to be like, oh man, there's like four guys, five guys, six guys that I'm going to love in the second. Uh, well, I feel for you because I have your second round pick now and you are going to either have to trade for something or you're going to have to watch from the sidelines and watch me make a bunch of 2023 second round picks because I got a bunch. So, yeah, I I totally agree. Let's keep typing up the 23 seconds only because I have five or six of them in Trade Addict 7 already. So, yeah, the more we talk about them, the price is now just going up even more. You know, earlier I said, one Dale was a first. Now my 23 seconds are all like two first, three first, four first. I'm I'm sorry. I think you mispronounced his name. Juan Dele, I think is what you uh mm. what you meant to say. I got your back, Bobby. We we take care of our guests here. We, you know, <laughs> we'll we'll pronounce Juan Dele however we please, okay? <laughs> however we damn well please, Rocky, you know? And that's uh and that's that. So Listen, we're we're at an hour and a half. I mean, honestly, if uh, we could talk another hour and a half, and that would be cool. But people got to get to sleep. We all got jobs. We all have uh, we all have people that we need to uh, be responsible for and report to. So uh, let's wrap it up here, Bobby. Man, I appreciate you coming on. It's so much fun. Uh, we had. Like I said, we had a great time on the DAP draft show. Mm-hmm. And hey, so good. if you're like, hey, I, I didn't get to check that out, just hop on YouTube. Just do the DAP network, search us, find that draft show, and just watch us, you know, kind of suffer through the first round because the first round was not a, lot, not a lot of fantasy goodness in that first round. Watch that though; it was still a good time. Then, then click on for day two. That's when we got, you know, we got our uh, our David Bell's, our Juan Dele Robinsons, you know, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. You know, that's when 
that's when we started really coming into our own and and uh and really doing the uh the fantasy thing but Bobby, on your way out, just remind everybody where they can find you. So, uh, if they want to tap into your uh, your wealth of knowledge, they can uh, they can do so. Sure, and I will say I have noticed a correlation. I've now done two podcasts in two nights, and I had not been getting asked fantasy advice for a while, which I was totally fine with. <laughs> and then, like, people were like, "Oh, I see him being tweeted out about being on these podcasts. Let's ask him questions." And I was like, "All right, I guess I can deal with this again." <laughs> Um, so you can find me at Rec Fantasy. Really quick plug: I am part of the Fantasy Cares Eliminators because, for whatever reason, John Tosh decided that I'm still a celebrity and I can't say no to charity, so I do it. Please sign up for my Fantasy Cares Eliminator as well as others, but particularly mine because if I can't fill one, I will feel very bad about myself and my ego will take a huge hit. Um, I don't know. Maybe you think after talking about how great I did in this trade addict seven uh, draft that I just had that I need to hit and you might be right, but please sign up anyway. And once again, appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's always a fun time. This is, I said it during the draft show. This is what I miss most. And I also appreciate you sucking up to uh, your new boss because I definitely own the network. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it, it's just good business. I mean, like I said, we, we want to firmly cement our our spot as the C show on the network. So I uh, feel like su sucking up to the boss will do that. Um, listen, Bobby, as soon as I figure out where I can actually uh, do that signing up thing, uh, I'm going to sign up for yours because uh, the uh, I will say we we had our own last year. Actually, we've had our own the last two years, and we we usually get knocked out in the first like two or three weeks because we uh, uh, put this in quotes, we sell our picks. We pretty much tell people if they, if they donate to charities that mean something to them and just kind of show us the, the receipt. Uh, we don't care what the amount is. That's not the point. Point is just donating. Um, but if we hit certain milestones, we, we sell off our picks. So we will allow someone else who donated to make a pick on our behalf and, it gets fun. I mean, we've had... Um, I did that for Blake Bortles last year, by the way. I drafted Blake Bortles in the first after raising like an additional $200 or something like that. Nice. And the weird thing is, I did not think I drafted particularly well to make up for the fact, but my team was not eliminated right away. It wasn't... I'm not saying I made it all the way to the end either, but I think I made it to like week eight or nine. And I was just like, how? I took Blake Bortles in the first round. Yeah, I mean we've had we've had uh Devin Funches uh drafted to our team. Nice. We had um we had A B drafted to our team, and that was like a month after he had like put a rock through a moving van. Um hmm. we've but you know what? It's it's so much fun seeing uh what people will come up with once they know that the the pick is out there one of one of them is going to have the ability to draft a person some people are, are benevolent and they don't they don't screw us up too bad but some people they do go for the the jugular and devin funches will will always and that was that was in the covid year so he signed with green bay and then never played because he opted out 
And um, yeah, he was on our team. He was he was faithfully putting up zero points every week. It was a good time. But yeah, man, do that. Sign sign up. Get. I mean, Bobby should be full by like uh, the time we post this because um, good dude. And um, actually, I got to talk to John. I that I saw a bunch of stuff about it, so we got to talk to John too. We'll uh, we'll put our timeline one together as well, and you know. The, the faithful usually come out and that represent. I did actually win one last year. I won uh Dap Network Brothers uh Andrew Hall's uh eliminator. So that was that was a good time. That was a lot of fun. The one other plug I will make is over the last few years I've done this, but if you're going to make a bet like these two made, and I'm not trying to call you guys out because I don't know what you actually the terms of your bet was, but bet fantasy cares eliminators. So that basically whoever loses, you're still donating to charity. So basically like most of my fantasy bets, if I lose, that just means I have to sign up for another eliminator, which honestly I probably would have done anyway. But at least this way charity wins when I lose and just mm-hmm. another plug for charity. We we bet, um, oh God, what's that uh, that Eddie Murphy movie, uh, Trading Places? Uh, where they make the one dollar bet all of our bets drew and i are for five bucks and it goes to uh the winner's charity of choice actually uh linda lyons lindellian was on one episode and we made a bet i don't even remember what that bet is now but she she chose the charity that 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 that's going to go to but yeah we uh it's always five bucks and it's always to the uh to the winner's uh charity of choice so we we like to kind of keep up that spirit and you know uh donate money to uh things that we feel strongly about and you know it's always a good time because it doesn't matter if we win or lose i mean someone is winning so whether i win the bet drew wins the bet uh, a charity is getting paid uh or not paid a charity is getting money donated so uh, yeah, it's always a good time. We love doing it. And usually our bets are like wild. Like we, you know, we bet, you know, Tua versus T Law. Uh, we have a uh Mitch Trubitsky versus um Justin Fields bet. Um I have a bet with Rocky, uh Mitch versus Kenny Pickett. Uh so yeah, yeah I'm, like, I'm on a lot of mailing lists for charities now that I've donated to a bunch of Josh's. Yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a good time. I always uh, way to acknowledge that you lost a bunch of bets too. Way yeah. to be a bigger man. But no, seriously, it's great. I will say, um, before join this is and I know you're trying to wrap up, but just one last. It's thing. all good. Um, before joining this particular community, while I'd like to think of myself as a nice person, I don't know that I was necessarily the most charitable. But in seeing some of the charitable efforts that others in the community were making. I feel like it made me a more charitable person and recognized I could do more even if I don't have a platform and I still don't have a platform, but whatever limited platform I had then and whatever limited platform I have at my work life or whatever now, I try to use to, to your point, drive either donations or attention towards causes that I care about. And that's just a credit to this community because we all know on the one hand that this community can be pretty vicious and trash at times, but on the other hand, and I'm not part of it this year, but the Scott fishbowl really does bring out a really good quality in this community as well. So just wanted to call that out. 
Have all the invites been handed out for that? I don't know about all of them. I don't think so. But I yeah. I, I purposely did not sign up this year because oh, I wanted okay. someone else to get my spot. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm Bobby, I just want to second that because I thought of myself as a good person before really like kind of jumping into this community. And then you see people like, I mean, Scott Fish does it at, at a massive level. And then you you just see other people who are just doing things kind of like what we're doing, where we're just like, hey, we'll make fantasy bets and we'll just like that's that's not something before I jumped into this community that would have even crossed my mind. And not that I had never donated to charity before that, but it, it's not where where my mindset was at. And then like kind of being around these people, it like just kind of totally like puts you in a different mindset. And it's like, yeah, like why wasn't I thinking about that? Like the uh the timeline league, um a portion of the winning goes to charity. And that's because people like Scott Fish and John Bosch and a lot of other people have had this thought years and years ago and they've you know they are you know they have such a great platform and they just keep pushing that and they just keep saying hey like make a stupid five dollar bet and donate the you know the winner uh, or the loser donates it to the winner's charity or donates it to this charity whatever so yeah it's um it, it's it's where it's at and it, i mean at the end of the day like drew lost every bet that he made last year like he did. Like he just had the unluckiest streak. And honestly, if I lose every bet that that I've made this year, like who cares? Like all that money is going to a charity that Drew feels, uh, you know, is, it feels has feelings for it and is close to him. And like Drew and I are friends, so like that's great. Like I'll donate to a charity that he feels really great about, and it's it's not a loss, you know. Drew Drew will, you know. He'll bring it up uh, in passing, you know, he'll have those uh, those bragging rights, but um, the money, who cares? Like it's going to uh, it's going to something great. So. All right. Now, you know, after our 15 minute wrap up, we'll get to the real wrap up. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat. The chat was like amazing. It was so lit. We had uh, we had Kev. We had. Um, we had Kev Wheeler, we had John McGlynn, we had, uh, I saw Ridley Truther pop in there for a minute, a little bit. We talked about bacon on pizza, roast beef on pizza. I saw that. I want to try that now. It sounds amazing. Um, but the show's always better when the chat is just throwing stuff out there. We got to answer some questions. Uh, so remember, if you uh, were watching us, uh, still are watching us, just click subscribe. Just click uh just click the bell uh you know give us a little thumbs up if you like the show you know all that stuff apparently does stuff on youtube that i will never be privy of but uh we would appreciate it and if you're doing the podcast thing we are in a, at an hour and 45 minutes that is a hell of a long time um you could be doing anything else but you chose to listen to us and that we really appreciate that so if you stumbled on us hit subscribe if you're subscribing Rate and review again. Algorithms and stuff that nobody will ever let me in on. Uh, apparently, the rate and review is important for those algorithms to get us out there and get more people listening. So, on that note, Drew, we are out of here. Late. Late.